0: comes from Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 13, verses, or Matthew chapter 18, verses 13 through 21, Uh, you'll find the scripture if you're using a Pew Bible on the page 904. In many ways, the Bible is a love story. You've heard it said that the Bible can be summed up in one verse that verse, of course, being John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And indeed, in many ways, the story of the Bible is what God did to secure the rescue, the redemption, the salvation of His people. And it's during this season of the year, that we do give special thought to what it cost God for our salvation. And we are still very mindful of the sacrifice that Jesus made in our behalf. For He bore in His body our sins, that we through His death might have life, might have life eternal, might have life in its True fullness. God has always had a people of His own possession. Uh, initially, after the fall of mankind in the Garden of Eden, uh, God had families that belonged to Him. And then there were extended families that belonged to Him. Clans or tribes, if you will. Uh, and then there was a nation that God called to be His own special possession. And then with the coming of Jesus Christ, God's family broke beyond those national walls of Old Testament Israel, and God's family became the Christian church, and it's found literally throughout the world. Jesus said, as you recall, just prior to his ascension back to his father, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the world. And if you follow the New Testament, the book of Acts, the epistles, the book of Revelation, you see how the church began to grow in incredible ways throughout much of the then known world. It spread west to Africa, it spread north into Europe, It spread east towards India. It spread south into the Sahara. It's amazing when we think of the growth of the Christian church. And so this morning, I want us to think about Christ and His church. And we praise the Lord and we give thanks to the Lord for His church. So follow with me in your Bible as I read beginning at verse 13 of Matthew chapter 16. This is the word of the Lord. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Let's again look to God in prayer. Oh, our Father, how we thank you for your word, your holy, inspired, and inspiring word. And we recall that we are to live not by bread alone, not merely by physical food alone, but we are to live, live spiritually by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So may your Spirit, who inspired these words so long ago, Make them fresh in our lives this day. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Did you notice that this revelation that Peter had, speaking on behalf of all the disciples, that Jesus is the Christ, uh, that by the way is the Greek term for Messiah or anointed one, was revealed to him by God the Father. It wasn't that Peter was so clever that he figured out who Jesus was. It was that God the Father revealed to Peter that Jesus is the anointed one, that Jesus is the Messiah. And if you and I have come to faith in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, if we declare him to be the Messiah, it's not because we are, are so bright and so clever. It's because God the Father has revealed it to us and God the Father has drawn us to Jesus Christ because Jesus said no one can come unto him except the Father draw him. And if we have faith in Jesus Christ, it is because God has given us that faith and we have been born again, not by our own power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. But this is a tremendous revelation and this is a tremendous declaration of who Jesus Christ is. Is. And we must continue to affirm these biblical teachings, this orthodox belief in this day of such rampant pluralism. And we are constantly bombarded in our country and in our culture that there are many ways to God, if indeed there is a God, And Christianity at best is merely one of the ways and not the best one at that. And Christianity is, if you will, taking it on the chin in our culture. And so we need to look again at God's Word about His Son, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Christ, and what Jesus is doing in this world in terms of His church. And so the first thing that we want to consider is the foundation of the church. What is the foundation of the church? Now, you would think that Christians could be of one mind about the foundation of the church, but the reality is that Christians are not of one mind, and I don't mean just the distinction between the Roman Catholic church and the Protestant church. I mean within evangelical, within conservative within Reformed circles, there is disagreement as to exactly what the foundation of the church is. Look again, beginning at verse 15. Jesus said to them, but who do you say? The you there, by the way, is plural. He's addressing the disciples. But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter, replying, On behalf of the disciples, as Simon Peter was prone to do, Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the Anointed One. You are the longed-for One, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven You know, there's still confusion among certain people today about God's way of salvation. Uh, There are those who believe that God's way of salvation for Old Testament Jews was by their obedience to the law. And and now in the New Testament era, our, our way of salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ, but the Scripture is clear that God's way of salvation has always been by grace through faith in the Messiah. In the Old Testament, it was faith in the Messiah who one day would come. And now it is faith in the same Messiah who has come. But it's always been by grace through faith in the Messiah, so Peter's declaration here is extremely important. You know, there are those in the broader church today that say that we are saved by our works. There are those that say we are saved by our works plus our faith. But we affirm that we are saved alone by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And so of all of us gathered here this morning and of those who listen in by way of the radio, either by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ we do belong to him, we are Christians, our sins have been forgiven, or we don't believe in him and we are still dead in our sins. And it's on this that Peter made this affirmation, you are the Messiah. And Jesus said, verse 18, and I tell you, you are Peter, Petros, and on this rock, Petra, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So again, we, 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 we ponder this: What is the foundation of the church? Is it Peter and by association, the other apostles? Is it Peter's confession that you, Jesus, are the Messiah? Or, is it Jesus Christ? the Messiah, as the foundation? Or is it some combination of these? You know, I'm I'm tempted to want to say yes. Could there be a play on words between Petros and Petra? Could be. Could it be that Peter and the other apostles... Comprise the foundation of the church. By the way, we, we read in our responsive reading from Ephesians chapter 2 these words. Listen again to these words. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built, listen to this, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Isn't that interesting? We know that Christ is a cornerstone. We also know that Christ is the capstone, the headstone. We know that Jesus Christ is the Lord and the King and the head of the church, the church universal as well as the church local. Or is the church church's foundation, Jesus Christ himself. Let me read these words to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it For no one can lay a foundation other than this which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, do I think the Bible is contradicting itself here? Of course I don't. Is it to me something of a paradox? I must say that it is. But I don't see a conflict here. I see a complementary teaching in the Bible. Or is the foundation Peter's confession that Jesus is the Christ. Well, you know, as frustrating as it is, sometimes I have to just say, you know, to be absolutely positive, I'll probably have to wait to heaven to find out. But I still like the words of Samuel Stone. So if I'm going to come down, this is where I'm going to come down. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is His new creation by water and the word. From heaven, He came and sought her to be His holy bride. With His own blood, He bought her. And for her life, He died. But let me say that The teaching of the apostles that we find recorded for us in this holy word is vital to the foundation of the church. And this congregation is founded upon Jesus Christ and His holy word. And if you are a guest and and you are considering whether or not you want to become a part of this congregation, you need to know where we stand, and that's where we stand. We stand solidly upon Jesus Christ and upon this book as the authoritative Word of God. Now, another thing that we want to consider here, and that is the building of the church. Look again at verse 18 where Jesus said, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell, that is the gates of death, shall not prevail against it. Jesus is the builder of the church. Now how he builds is where we find ourselves, but Jesus is the builder of the church. I will build my church. For those of you who are here for our missions conference, I think it was on Friday night when John and Dinah Bowers were teaching us the refrain there about the building of the church. If it comes back to your mind, it's a tune that just sticks with you. I, Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail. I will build my church. And what Jesus promised 2,000 years ago is still being fulfilled today. Now, as a congregation, we have the, uh, the privilege and the opportunity of sending out two short-term missions teams. Uh, I was talking with Steve, and he's going to be heading up the team going to... Costa Rica with the Davilas, and fourteen folks are going on the missions trip to Costa Rica, and some twenty-two folks are going to be going to South Shields, England. Matt Stanley is the the leader of that team, and what a blessing this will be for our folks. Stephen and I were commenting that that going on a short-term missions trip often is more beneficial for those who go. And for those who receive those who come. It's a lot of work for them. It's a lot of work for the Davilas. It's a lot of work for the South Shields congregation. But what a blessing for those of us who are able to go. I can't tell you what an encouragement it is to see the Lord at work in other countries and in other cultures. And to worship the Lord with believers who speak a different language, who come from a different background, it is an incredible experience. Now in the New Testament, the church is sometimes referred to as the body of Christ, which it is, the bride of Christ, which it is, the temple of God, which it is. And in the New Testament, the church is usually referred to as either the universal church, what I mean by that is, as expressed in the Apostles' Creed, the Holy Catholic Church. Not the Roman Catholic Church and not the Presbyterian Church and not the Pentecostal Church and not the Independent Bible Church, but the Holy Catholic Church. It's holy because it's called out by God, it is Catholic because it's found throughout the world. Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not stand against her, will not prevail. Jesus Christ is the builder, and the amazing thing is that he chooses to build his church through us. To be sure, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit, it's through the word of God, but we are instrumental in the building up of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you are a vital part of that. And you say, well, who am I? What do I have to give? Well, the Bible tells us that God did not choose many wise or wealthy. He did choose some. But God chose the simple things like I am and like most of you are to accomplish His work. You've heard it expressed this way. God does not call the equipped to do His work. God equips those who are called to do His work. And if you are called by Jesus Christ, you are a vital part of the work of the building of the church. You do that by your witness. You do that by your example. You do that through your prayers. You do that through your giving. You do that through your participation in the body, in the family, in the church. And we are so encouraged when there are folks who unite with this congregation and then become participants in the life of the congregation. If you are a guest and you are considering uniting with this church, you are under no obligation to unite with this congregation. You are welcome to attend as a guest. But if you become a member of this congregation, please Become involved in the life of the congregation. Don't just be a spectator. Be a participant. Now, the Masters Golf Tournament is going on right now. And some of us golfers, we like to watch golf. And in our dreams, we find ourselves out there on the Masters Golf Course. But the reality is that most of the folks who are there are spectators. I'd like to be a spectator someday, but I'll just settle for the TV broadcast. But get involved in the life of the congregation because you are an important part of that. Jesus said, I will build my church. I still remember the opportunity that Rosie and I had when we were in Amman, Jordan several years ago to worship there at the congregation where Elizabeth, Ann, and Josh attend. What an amazing experience. It's a Sudanese Christian church pastored by a Sudanese Christian who doesn't speak English, not much anyhow. The worship service is conducted in Arabic and in English. The... uh, Music leader, as I recall, was Korean, and I don't know where the other members of the team were from, Stephen. The interpreter was a black Christian brother from Texas. The assistant pastor of the church was a Korean-American PCA pastor, a Korean-American who was second or third generation, who'd never been to Korea. What an amazing experience to see Jesus building his church right there in Amman, Jordan. I thought about Rosie's mother. Rosie's mother was born of missionary parents to China. Rosie's grandparents were missionaries in China in the first half of last century. And they left China in 1949-1950 when the communists took over. And they had spent decades ministering the gospel in China and when they left, the number of Christians in China could be counted probably in the thousands. Maybe the tens of thousands. Today, it is estimated that there are over a million Christians in China. I thought about my mother who was now with the Lord. About a year ago the Lord called her home. My mother was born in Suncheon, Korea. I have a special tie with doctors so because of that connection. My grandparents were missionaries in Korea, now South Korea. They left the mission field in the late 20s. When they left, the number of Christians in Korea could be numbered in the thousands at most. And now there are tens of millions of Christians in South Korea. As a matter of fact, they estimate that there are oh, 10 or 11 million Presbyterian Christians in South Korea. Just to give you a comparison, we estimate that there are about two and a half million Presbyterian Christians in this country. The Presbyterian Church in South Korea is about three or four times the size of the Presbyterian Church in this country. But you know the important thing is not the denomination. Recently I was calling on someone at the hospital and a nurse or an aide or somebody said, hey, you a preacher? I looked at myself, you know. Um, and I allowed that I was, and she said, where do you preach at? And I got to thinking, well, I don't preach a whole lot anymore. <laughs> I do teach. Uh, I, I said I was an assistant pastor at First Presbyterian Church. And then I told her, as I'm prone to do, I said, the important thing, though, is not, your denomination. Being a Presbyterian won't get you to heaven or being a Baptist or whatever. I said the important thing is your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know, one of the blessings uh, I experienced when the Will Graham celebration was here about a year ago was to see Christians across denominational lines come together in our commitment to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I believe doctrine is very important. Of course I do. But I tell you, Jesus Christ is our focus as Christians. And Jesus said, I will build my church. And you are an important part of that And then one last thought here, and that is what we can think of as the fellowship of the church. Jesus said, I will build my church. Again, it's referred to sometimes as his body, his bride. It reminds us of the fellowship that we are to have in Jesus Christ. The Apostle John, writing in 1 John, said, that we have fellowship one with another, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And it's an awful thing for people to go to a church and the name of Jesus is rarely ever mentioned. You'll hear the name of Jesus mentioned a lot around here because this is his church and we are his people. And our fellowship with one another is rooted in him. Jesus said this on the night that he was betrayed, a new commandment I give given to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Uh, Our English word, church, as you probably recall, comes from the Greek word ekklesia, which means called out. Uh, The implication is called out from the world and called to God. I remember the illustration from years ago, I'm sure most of you have heard it as well. You know, if you have a campfire, let's say, and it's a nice, burning campfire, and there are lots of coals, red-hot coals, in that campfire. And those coals represent us in the fellowship of the church. But you remember that illustration. What happens if you take a coal out of the campfire and put it aside. It's still a a coal, but soon it will turn C-O-L-D. And it's such a tragic thing when that happens in a congregation, when there are those who, at one time who were so involved in the life of the church, but then they began to withdraw, and then it seems they just disappeared. And they'd grown cold. Let's not do that. Let's stay vitally connected with each other and together to the Lord. A minister was asked one day about his church and was asked if he pastored a healthy church. And he said, uh, yes. Uh, I pastor a healthy church. And he was asked, well, how many members do you have? You know, we're so prone to that, aren't we? How many members do you have? And he said, well, I guess we have about 30 members. And, of course, I thought about the South Shields Church, where our missions team is going this summer. They have 30 or 40 members. They're meeting, by the way, uh, almost next door to a meeting place for Muslims and the fellow said 30 members well if it's a healthy church you must have some rich members and that's the way we think and the pastor said no not really he said most of our folks are pretty poor And the guy said, well, how in the world can you say you pastor a healthy church? And the pastor said, well, the people in my congregation love the Lord. They love His Word. They love the lost. They mostly love each other. And they are people of prayer. Yes, I pastor a healthy church. And then I thought about this wonderful congregation. Wonderful congregation, not perfect congregation. We are not a perfect congregation. I am not a perfect pastor, and you are not a perfect people. But God is at work here In First Presbyterian Church of Dothan. And I, for one, and you, for another, we are so grateful that the Lord, in His timing and His providence, He's brought Jennifer and Rusty Milton and the Milton family here. And it's so exciting to see the gifts and the abilities that God has given to the Miltons in their ministry. We're, we're so pleased that the Lord is leading Caleb Galloway, Whitney, and the girls here. The Lord is at work in this congregation. But let me remind you where the Lord is at work, the devil is working too. And we must always be on our guard because the devil loves to bring division and dissension and discord and disunity. And we must always be on our guard. But this is Jesus' church. And He is at work. He is at work in you, and He is at work through you. So what can you do? Participate. Don't just spectate. Pray. Pray earnestly, pray fervently, pray for our leaders, our men, our women, those that work with our children, pray for our staff, pray for our preschool and our daycare and our little lambs, pray for the ministry of providence, give as God has blessed you, give to the work of Christ in and through this church. And tell others, oh, not so much about First Presbyterian Church. Tell others about Jesus, the king, the head, the savior, the shepherd of his church. And to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be all the praise and all the glory. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord our God, how we thank you. For Jesus Christ, the King, the Head, the Savior, the Shepherd of His body on earth, the Church, of which I trust that most here, by Your grace through faith in Jesus, are a part. And oh God, we give You humble thanks for the leadership that You have provided for us. Leadership among our congregation, men who are in leadership, women who are leaders, those who work with our children, those who work in the various ministries of this congregation, Lord God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for Rusty and for Jennifer, for the children, for Caleb and Whitney, for their children. We give you thanks, oh God, that you, Lord Jesus are building your church. And we remember that the very gates of hell, death itself, will not prevail against it. So we give you our thanks as we offer our prayer in your name. Amen. Our hymn of response. Is number 355 in your hymnal. If you'll stand together, we'll sing all four verses of We Are God.